Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. This week on Talk Nation Radio, Pat Alviso and David Hartso. First, it is my pleasure to welcome to Talk Nation Radio, Pat Alviso. Pat is the National Coordinator of Military Families Speak Out, cmfso.org on the internet. It is a national organization with members across the United States who have already since September 11th, 2001. As a mother of an active duty Marine, Pat Alviso speaks on behalf of military families nationally and has helped lead three delegations to the White House. She has counseled thousands of military families, Gold Star families, and military members providing support services and creating forums and opportunities for them to speak out against the unjust wars in the Middle East. Her 40 years of experience in the classroom has also allowed her to serve on the steering committee of the National Network Opposing the Militarization of Youth. Pat Alviso, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Thank you, David. Uh, it's great to have you on here. Uh, know me. The last organization I mentioned uh, is familiar to our listeners. We've had Pat Elder on as well. Uh, what has what has MFSO been up to in recent months? Well, we're just freshly back from the Veterans for Peace National Convention in Berkeley, and um, our campaigns have included. Of course, trying to get all the candidates to talk about the war. They don't even mention Afghanistan. So it was wonderful to catch up with Andrew Basevich and and uh, get his thoughts. Um, we're also helping to promote Barbara Lee's effort to get a full debate in Congress to get the authorization for the use of military force uh, debated and voted on as required in the Constitution. We're putting a lot of effort into that because again, which the which same which authorization, Pat? There's so many wars going on; it's hard to even list them all. Exactly. Which one are you referring to? Well, now they're adding Syria to it, of course. But you know, we're looking for anything. You know, of course, we started with Afghanistan and Iraq, and and we're working with her to try to get something more expansive. But whatever she puts out there to get the debates going again, she did get a little attract little traction last time, uh-huh. the timing was good, so we're hoping to put to get her to put something out there, to help her to get something uh, out there soon that will be more expansive, but she's always been on this, on this particular issue, strong and very uh, forward-thinking and, and trying to get her alliances together in Congress, so we're working with her on that, and uh, we're currently also trying to correct some injustices that are been happening other than the obvious maligning of gold star families that we're hearing from our candidate Trump, from Republican candidate Trump. We are uh, trying to correct a situation where our gold star family members, um, as everybody knows, there's a high suicide rate among those who have served in our military or are serving in our military, 22 a day, one yeah. active duty. And one of our family members has been is not getting a letter of condolence because her her son committed suicide last year while on a base. Not on the base itself, but in his home on the base, so in Colorado Springs. So uh, they're not getting a letter of condolence because you get a letter of condolence. Apparently, DOD policy says you get a letter of condolence from the president if you commit suicide in country in a combat zone, but not if you do it at home. 
now the whole thing is absurd, and of course the idea of a of a letter of condolence isn't going to make much of a difference. But it is a it is a point we're trying to make that you know even up at the top, no one wants to discuss or recognize the the high suicide rate and why these wars are a part of why the suicide, the moral injury that it causes is not being discussed or recognized. So that's another thing we're working on. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested, Pat, that you bring up this uh, insulting of a Gold Star family from here in Charlottesville, Virginia, by presidential candidate Donald Trump, because the response from the Democratic side, the liberals, almost seems to have been, well, Donald Trump is insulting Iraq War veterans. The Iraq War now must have been noble and heroic. Uh, I mean, this sort of reversal based on partisanship. How do you, uh, how do you handle these sorts of, of uh, divergent views, and how do you walk the line between uh, people who are obviously supportive of the military because they're in it, and us abolitionists who want to do away with the military? Well, I think many people would be surprised when you talk to military families, not in a public area, even the Blue Star family organizations, most of us that have seen war firsthand do not want these wars anymore. So it's not that difficult. Yes, we are being used. We're tired of the political parties, all of them, using this support the troops to to get us away from the truth of, of, the, of these disastrous, tragic wars and the toll it, it, that, that military families, less than 2% of us in, around the country are military families, we don't get heard very often. And so they like to use us when these, especially during political campaigns, and we're tired of that. And so it is a fine line, but once we get started and start, you know, we've, we've had many people interview us since that uh, comment was made by Mr. Trump and a lot of our families that have, have, especially the Gold Star families who don't believe in these wars, when they get interviewed, that's when they start talking about the real cost of war and why we should end them now and yeah. bring our troops home. Yeah, so you're going to be part of a, a workshop on this and related topics at No War 2016, the, the conference and events that World Beyond War is planning for September in Washington. Uh, people can go to worldbeyondwar.org. Uh, tell, tell us what the, this workshop is going to be about, who's going to be doing it with you, and, and what we can expect. Well, I'm, I'm very honored to be able to uh, be on a committee with some great people. Pat Elder, who uh, I also remember on the NOMI board, and Maria Santelli. Maria Santelli comes from the Center of Conscientious, of Conscience and War. And Pat Elder is definitely with this great group that works on resistance and uh, the deceptive practices of military recruiters. And um, he's the national director of the Coalition to Protect Student Privacy. A lot of people don't realize that if um, we're going to get serious about stopping the war culture, let's, let's go back to the high schools. And these people do. They are part of a group, and so am I, of people that are into the high schools and even down to elementary schools when we hear of, of the amount of, of work and, and um, basically just, so much propaganda that our students are getting to promote this military culture that um, 
we get into the schools and we uh, bring our people in, military families and veterans in particular, are brought into the classroom as well to combat veterans, Gold Star families who who really know what war is like. And we, we expose the myth of what war is like and, and let the students know that it's not these uh, military recruiters that are out here trying to make it look like you're being patriotic, you know, preying on young people who are just hanging out at lunch, walking around pretty much un, uh, unaccompanied, talking to students all over campuses across our country into joining the military and focusing heavily on minorities and poor people, poor students trying to just think about what they're going to do in their senior year um, and, and tell them that, they're, that to join the military means they're going to get a job and a career, which we know isn't true. Yeah. So we're out here trying to, to let our young people know every day in the classroom that there's another story to this. And it's a, it's a bit of a trick to get into the high schools but there, there's many people that are doing this good work, and we encourage people to come to our workshop and, and come to the conference and, and learn how you can help this movement. It's really rewarding work. You can be a watchdog for your family and, and other children that are in this, your local schools. There's something that everybody can do to help uh, inform our youth that they don't need to join just to get a job, and, and the, and the re- promises the recruiters make just are not true. Uh, they don't pay for your college. I mean, there's many, many, many exceptions for, for that that people just don't know about, and that's what we're out to, to get the word out. But also, in this conference, we expect to see so many other great activists that are basically a a think tank of activists that are, are coming together to think of ways that we can stop this war culture. Wonderful. I am looking forward to it. Uh, you mentioned, Pat, that uh, the wars are almost absent from the presidential election and, and other news coverage. Uh, there was this past week on CNN a so-called town hall with the Green Party candidates, Jill Stein and, and uh, Jammu Baraka, where they brought up the issues of war. Uh, and just about every time they got that serious discussion going, the CNN guy would ask about, uh, you know, tastes in music, or uh, do you believe in God? Do you believe in vaccines? And sort of change the subject to something stupid. Uh, you guys have been going around to uh, events and bird dogging the, the candidates. Uh, what are you finding useful in terms of uh, getting this subject even into the conversation? Well, we don't tr- we don't try to get into the particulars of other issues at all. We just stick to the same mantra. Why are you not talking about the war? We, we give information about how many have died. We ask them questions, but it's very, we feel very strongly about not making sure that people don't use us, which they try to do. You know, even Trump people have tried to come in different clothing and try to pretend like they care about us. But we don't, none of them do because they don't talk about it. So we just, Try to tell our story in there somewhere, and that's what gives us validity. And that's what's really important, that, you know, that people bring military families and combat vets and Gold Star families into the discussion, whether we're bird-dogging the candidates or whether we're in the classroom, because people can't argue with that. We know what we saw. We know what happened to us. 
and and the young people listen, and so do people that are. We may not get the cameras unless we, you know, have those, you know, something very exciting happen where there's a fight or a hustle. But we're willing to take that chance and be in the crowd because that's where we'll get hurt. Is MFSO uh, growing or shrinking now? I know most of the peace movement struggled uh, from, you know, 2006 or seven on in comparison with 2002 through 2005, uh, largely for partisan reasons. But uh, here we are with this quiet, almost unknown Cold War building up with Russia, encirclement of China, militarization of Africa and the Pacific, a president bombing seven countries that he openly brags about. Is What is MFSO experiencing in terms of, of growth, and what do you expect in the months ahead? Well, our, one of our problems was, of course, when we had a Democratic candidate become president, and people believed for a long time that that he was that President Obama was going to stop the wars. And it's taken a while for people to get their footing and realize that they don't have to play that game of partisan politics anymore. It doesn't matter what political belief you have. If the wars are wrong, that's what you have to stick to. And so we lost quite a few members at that time period because they didn't... The word was going around like, well, we don't want to make, give them time. We don't want to make it hard for them. But we have learned, you know, those of us that are hanging in there and we're on a, on a growth spurt now because people have come to realize that these are forever wars. We're not going to be able to stop them unless we get together like you're providing this forum for us to, for all of us that have been doing this work to get together and plan something to get us back, all, to get us all back on the map. To be continued, Pat Alviso, I wish we had hours to go on. Thank you very, very much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you. It is my great pleasure to welcome back to Talk Nation Radio, David Hartso. David Hartso is a co-founder of World Beyond War and the author of Waging Peace, Global Adventures of a Lifelong Activist. He has organized peace efforts in places including the Soviet Union, Nicaragua, the Philippines, and Kosovo. He co-founded the Nuremberg Actions, blocking munitions trains carrying munitions to Central America back in the 1980s. He co-founded the Nonviolent Peace Force in 2002, which has... Uh, nonviolent peace workers operating uh, all over the world. He has been arrested for nonviolent civil disobedience over 150 times, and he is just back from a trip to Russia, engaging in citizen diplomacy uh, in Russia during this newly heightened Cold War. And David Hartso will be speaking uh, at No War 2016, the events being planned in September in Washington, D.C., that you can find at worldbeyondwar.org. David, welcome back to Talk Nation Radio. Thank you, David. Good to be here. Uh, great to have you here. What did you What did you learn from meeting with Russians? Were you able to speak with whoever you wanted, and what was their perspective? Well, we uh, were able to talk with all kinds of uh, Russians, uh, all the way from journalists to uh, teachers and professors to students, and, uh, business people, uh, uh, mayors of cities, etc. So um, I guess we, uh, I, I found, I've been to Russia six times before over the last 55 years, 
and uh, the Russian people deeply want peace. Uh, they lost 27 million people in the Second World War, and uh, the last thing they want is any more war. But they're very worried about uh, American and NATO troops uh, and tanks uh, and uh, bombing planes on their borders. Uh, even though the U.S. committed to uh, Gorbachev back in 1991 that uh, in return for the uh, Soviet support of uh, German reunification, that NATO would not move uh, one foot eastward. But we've not only, we've moved <laughs> hundreds of miles eastward uh, and are right on the, the Russian border with uh, carrying out military exercises, uh, having uh, or building a new anti-ballistic missile site on in Romania, uh, <clears throat> which borders Russia. And uh, the the Russians see this as a possible first strike uh, weapon. And what struck me in comparison to uh, uh, how the Russians are feeling about <laughs> all this military activity on their on their border, how would Americans feel if uh, the Russians had uh, their troops and tanks on the Mexican and Canadian borders uh, with with bombing planes that are uh, nuclear weapon capable? Uh, up in the air, <laughs> a few feet from our border. But but uh, but those would be evil weapons, wouldn't they, David? Whereas the U.S. and NATO weapons are are peaceful weapons. I mean, I I watched a a video recently of the man who was the U.S. ambassador to the Soviet Union back at that point, uh, recently at a conference with Putin telling Putin that these new missile bases were not threats to Russia. On the contrary, they were jobs programs. They were creating jobs in the United States, in the military industries. I mean, shouldn't that make the Russians feel better? Well, I think uh, if you look at every war in history, uh, you know, both both sides always see their weapons as purely defensive, as purely for to, to, uh, to uphold the peace, and uh, the the other side has the bad weapons, and uh, from from I think that that is a lie, <laughs> as you know from your book. Uh, all all weapons, and especially uh, the weapons in this modern era, can kill thousands of people, and uh, nuclear weapons could put an end to life on our Earth. So, uh, no, I don't buy uh, that, and I don't think the Russian people do, and I don't think the American people would buy that if, uh, even if the Russians said that their their bombing planes and their tanks on our borders were for peace. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's just not, uh, that's not reality. Yeah. So we're going to have this conference in the end of September in Washington with you and uh, Sharon Tennyson and Kathy Kelly and a number of people who were on this trip to Russia, and we'll have a workshop about uh, building better relations with Russia, and and you'll be uh, speaking a- about war abolition, and you'll be emceeing a, a session about transition to, to peaceful industries. Uh, what what can we expect uh to hear those who who can make it to Washington D.C. and those who watch the live stream of of these events. Well, I'm I'm also uh, speaking. I think it is uh, Saturday morning on uh, ending war and idea whose time has come. Uh, the I think 
the American people and the people of the world have suffered so much from wars. And you look at the millions of refugees in the Middle East right now from wars that, uh, that uh, you know, our government says we're, we're just trying to help create the peace in Iraq and Afghanistan and Syria. Uh, but the, the reality is massive uh, devastation and death and people getting uh, thrown out of their homes. So we are tired of war, and uh, war has not worked. Uh, you, know, uh, you look at any of the wars in the last uh, many, many decades, uh, things seem to just get worse uh, rather than in any way make, making them better. Back in uh, Vietnam, we said we had to destroy uh, a village to save it. Well, that's what war does. It destroys the villages to save it. And from the perspective of people there, and I think uh, any uh, objective observers on the outside, uh, destroying it does not save it. So uh, so wars are not working, so why continue to put a uh, trillion dollars a year into wars and preparations for wars? And uh, there are viable alternatives. And uh, World Beyond War has uh, written a, a book on uh, an alternative uh, security strategy uh, where we've tried to bring together the ideas. I and mean, people say, well, what if we, do, if we don't have war, what is there to uh, create security? Well, uh, we lay out in that book, which we'll uh, also be discussing at this conference, what are some of the viable alternatives? Uh, which include uh, when you have a conflict, uh, rather than going to war, uh, you could let's sit let's sit down at the negotiation table and try to uh, listen to uh, what uh, what both sides are saying and thinking and feeling, uh, and then find a way to try to uh, meet the needs of both sides, not uh, impose <laughs> our truth on the, the other side, which don't want to hear our truth. Yeah, I, uh, we, we also will have the second edition, as you know, of that book finished yeah. by this conference and, and up on the website with the first edition and, and available. Uh, we'll, we'll be giving it away to whoever is, is attending the conference. But I, I, I was recently uh, you know, accused of being a lover of Bashar al-Assad because I objected to U.S. bombing and, and Russian bombing and Syrian bombing uh, in, uh, in Syria. And uh, I defended someone who had been on a similar trip to to yours to Russia, who had been to Syria and and met with Assad. Uh, and and this person exclaimed, "Would you meet with someone like Assad? Would you meet with someone like Putin or Hitler?" And and I said, "Of course I would." But it seems that the the attitude now in the United States uh, is that you shouldn't, you know, to even meet or have any association with some evil demon uh you know is is to put yourself on their side and and in support of bombing the united states uh what do you what do you make of this phenomenon well uh i i think it's a whale of a lot better to to uh to talk with uh people than to to bomb each other and uh to question uh american policy in syria or any other government question in Syria uh, is what we need more uh, whistleblowers uh, who are serving uh, a long time in, in jail or exile from this country because they have told the truth 
uh, unfortunately get big, in big trouble. They should be seen as our best patriots. I think if, uh, I mean, Ellsberg, who uh, exposed the Pentagon Papers, said that uh, he, he wished that he could have, that he had spoken out and written the Pentagon Papers uh, or published the Pentagon Papers years before, uh, millions of lives could have been saved. Well, I think questioning our government's policies or any government's policies, especially when they're at war and bombing people, uh, we need to listen to those people and not just say, well, you're part of the enemy if you uh, are questioning our policies. Yeah. Uh, Dan Ellsberg. So thank has... you, David, for uh, <laughs> continuing to, to speak out and uh, try to uh, raise tough questions, which aren't always appreciated. Well, uh, same to you. And, uh, you know, Ellsberg has also said that a lot of the crimes back in the day are, are now open uh, and not secret anymore. The, the, uh, the, the lawless bombing of numerous countries uh, is just standard policy, uh, and it's knowable, but it's not often discussed on the corporate media. You know, how are we going to how are we going to reach more people? Uh, and I, I know that at the end of these events in Washington, D.C., we're going to have a nonviolent action and invite everyone to join in uh, some sort of nonviolent protest. Uh, is, that, is that a way that we can reach more people? Or, or what, do you, what do you recommend that people do? Well, uh, one, people need to, uh, to believe that, uh, that ending war is possible and not uh, buy into the uh, idea that because there's been wars for thousands of years that uh, there will always have to be, a, be wars. Uh, second, we need to not just have that idea, we need to act on it and talk about it with our neighbors and friends and family. Uh, and third, we need to speak out uh, and to act and, and, and say to our uh, members of the Congress and the President and people in the State Department, and to the media uh, that uh, we won't put up with this anymore. And similar to the Civil Rights Movement, the Anti-Vietnam War Movement, uh, nonviolent action uh, to, uh, to resist and to say no to uh, the war machine or to injustice, uh, that is the, uh, the tool of, uh, of, of the poor, <laughs> of the people. And uh, my friend uh, George Lakey has just written a book called Viking Economics about how the 99% took power from the 1% in Norway and Sweden by nonviolent means. Well, uh, we uh, who want an end to war are, I would say, over 95% of the people in the world. We need to realize that we are the massive majority, and it's the war makers uh, and the politicians that, uh, that want war, that are the, the very small minority. So if we, not, if we don't just sit at home and uh, sulk about it, but get out in the streets and speak out and demand that our government uh, listen to the people, uh, we, we will be heard. And as uh, President Eisenhower said many years ago, he said, I'd like to believe that the people of the world want peace so much that governments will have to get out of the way and let them have it. Well, uh, <laughs> let's take Eisenhower's 
suggestion and uh, get out and uh, demand that our government listen to the people. Yeah, and nudge it out of the way. Uh, very well said, David Hartso. Uh, appreciate everything you're doing and look forward to seeing you at No War 2016. People can sign up to attend or watch the live stream at worldbeyondwar.org. David, thanks for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you, and we'll look forward to seeing many of you uh, at the conference. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.